Hanley Armagh, Caroline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Night Podcast. You're very welcome to our review show as we're looking back at the two senior semi-finals that took place over the weekend. Joining me to do so again is Stefan Cusick and we're going to look back at Saturday's action first. That was Cross and Glen taking on Silver Bridge in a winner-takes-all derby clash and Cross McGlynn got over the line 114 to 6 points. Stefan, to start a horrible night for football, um, uh, you would feel sorry for both teams having to go out to play in those conditions but Silverbridge had the big win advantage in the first half and you felt if they were going to have any chance of causing an upset, they needed to be using that advantage and going into halftime four or five points up. It didn't happen. There were three one up at a stage. McConville and Rain O'Neill got two points. It was level at halftime and it was always going to be all across McGlynn after that. Yeah, it was, as you said, Sean, it was a horrible night for um, two teams about the football. It's probably whoever handled the conditions better. Playing against the win was going to come out and top, but uh, Silverbridge uh, probably started started okay, but in the first five minutes, turned the ball over six times by four fifth passes and two kick passes, no pressure really on the ball. Um, kind of just playing across his hands, cross were set up well. It's a hard to do, get bodies behind the ball, playing against that win, and Silverbridge just kept running the ball, straight down across the lane's throat, and cross were happy enough, just kept coming out with the ball. Especially James Morgan, he was coming out and making 20, 30 yards every time he got the ball. I think that win with his strength going forward um, with the ball. It was just it was a good bit and block across the Glen. They're going across the Glen had serious amount of opportunities in that first half playing against that win. And they could just see how hard it was to score. And um, ball just kept coming back out. And Kane was on rain, was kicking balls with everything they had and still wasn't making the distance. So you could just see. Um, on the night, it just wasn't like good. It was going up towards the scoreboard end, and it wasn't an easy place to score, like, you know. Um, but Silverbridge, I think it took them nine minutes even to get their first shot um, on target, or even first shot on goal in, real free kick. Um, I think it was from about 55 yards, knocked it over, and then from that resulting kick out, they got that goal chance that we knew they were going to get. Um, and Colin intercepted it and hand the ball off the rack, and then Rath just maybe. Didn't realise he had as much time as he did and pound the ball over the bar, but um, only to get two scores in the first 10 minutes with that win um, wasn't good for Silverbridge. Um, they're kind of always going to be up against it. Um, I didn't think they scored again to about the 25th minute in. Um, so only getting three scores with that win. As you say, Sean, probably six, seven point win um, going in at half time and not to have that cushion was always going to be different for Silverbridge to build on, you know. And just two points you made there. I, I want to get talking about James Morgan as well because I think his role—he's been superb this year. But um, first off, that goal chance—and we we spoke about it last week—that we felt there was goals in that Silverbridge attack, and there's also goals in that Crossbridge defence if the right team can can get them. Um, how how big of a? I'm not sure if it was a turning point, 
But how big of a moment was that for Silverbridge that if they had got that goal, maybe they were going to go four or five points ahead at halftime? Yeah, well, that's it. Um, ten minutes into the game, you get that early goal chance, and that really can give you confidence. For not to get that goal chance, they're probably questioning themselves then, and then you kind of go in the... You kind of expect a much that win, they go in six or seven points, and ten minutes into the game, you're only 2-1 up. You kind of maybe kind of force things, and you're not relaxed as you would have been at the start of the game. And you could just see Silver Braves were... They were panicking on what they were doing. They didn't really vary their attack. Everything was running, running, running down the middle. And Kjaker went in two or three times in the first half. But we thought they were just test the goalkeeper, test the fullback, they put a few balls in high. But the ball was going in low. And that was super crossed with them. And Kjaker probably didn't want the ball in low. He wanted it in the head into the six yard box. Um, but there was no variation in their attack. It was all pretty mundane going down the middle and cross the man. It just sat up so well. And the half good defenders are always going to be harder to run through. So, um, probably not getting that goal early on probably forced several Braves to go in a wee bit of panic and try and things really they didn't really need to be doing, you know. They just kind of kept the scoreboard taking over. But it was a, a big chance in the game, Sean, you know. And James Morgan, Stephen, he's, he's been superb this year at centre half back and he's playing there maybe years. Gone by, he has wore the number six jersey, but had to do a man marking role or something. I think the only man marking role I can think of that he's done, he went and marked Stephen uh, Campbell in the first game against Clan Gale and only spent the majority, probably spent the majority of the time in fullback, but Campbell came out as well, which suited Morgan. But his driving runs have been just such a, a big inspiration for Cross McGlynn this year. And the, the size of Morgan, he's very hard to stop once he gets going. Yeah, it's probably um, he's probably harnessed for that man marking role um, for Cross, and people got realised probably how good of a boy carry he is. Um, as I said, the I'd say in the first fifteen minutes, he must have had six, seven possessions coming out of defence. But every time he got the ball, he was making 20, 30 yards, and you can see on the night how hard it was to get up the pitch with the ball and making them 20, 30 yards, kind of to the half line in the fourth fifty, and then reintegrating over from there. And um, then again, looking around and Tony, and a lot of he just popped the ball out, and that was his job done. But he was definitely a big help across the land, playing against us to win the first half from out on Sunday night. Yeah. And the the cross kick checkout stuff, and I want to talk a bit about it. And maybe Silverbridge's lack of be, being able to deal with it. Um, it was very noticeable and I, I think I did mention it when I was on Armagh TV on Saturday night with the win Tiernan McConville was just pumping it out to Rain O'Neill Rain O'Neill stands on the 45 metre line he goes either way there's there's space either side of him and McConville just if you put it 10 yards either side of O'Neill he's going to get it and Silverbridge seemed to go with Sean Conlon on him which I thought was a very strange matchup like not only physically but height wise Rain O'Neill has all the advantages with that matchup, and it was just a, a strange. Um, it, it happened once, and I thought maybe that was just happened during the game, but it happened a couple of times after that, and it was a strange matchup that Silverbridge decided to go to. But that kick out is hard to stop, no matter who's on Rain O'Neill. It is, even when you know, um, Tiernan would usually kick the ball across himself to his left hand side, out for the Armad TV cameras were, and say they're coming down the hill. Uh, as you say, Rain probably sets himself halfway a lane and makes it run out to the right. But even though you know the ball's going there, it's still hard to um, 
still hard to defend because he's such a good player in the air. But Silverbridge, you said Silverbridge put Connell on. Probably a big mismatch, to be honest. Um, I don't know where Charlie was at that time or Kyarker, but they were probably, see, Farley and Mars up there too. So it's kind of um, splitting two between three. Um, but definitely didn't get that right brain. The ball was like a magnet then in that first half. Although Charlie did get on his hands on a few balls, um, it was kind of the only player that really um, involved around the middle for Silverbridge because um, I'm not saying that Kyarker and um, Colin and whoever else was around there wasn't involved, but it just, it just seemed to be always 10 to 15 yards after men. Um, Tiernan, six, seven times in that first half, and um, was just laying up out the lane on the left hand side the whole night. So it wasn't, and it's one kick down the field. And the rest is history, as I said. It's a good way to build their attacks, you know. It just, it just suits Cross McGlynn. That's pure Cross McGlynn that kick it out to the middle and kick it into the full forward line and get a score. But you, you mentioned Jarley Ogler, and I felt on um, Saturday evening. Silverbridge maybe lacked, lacked ideas when they were going forward. They seemed to be doing okay till they got to about the 45-metre line. And then it was nearly like, okay, where's Jarley Oak's big bush through the defence? And he's obviously not fit to do that every time. No, it's a, it's a hard to do. You know yourself in the game the ball. And you three around hanging out, it takes your energy away. But when you're watching the game, you're seeing Jarley Oak make them runs. He's thrown two or three crossmen. And that's exactly what should have been happening. I mean, he's drawn two or three cross men, that should be two or three civil big men free. But it was like he was trying to do everything himself because there's no options there. And he ended up guiding the ball into trouble and he ended up shooting over his shoulder two or three times. Um, I think he took three wide in the first half and he overguided a couple. But he was definitely one of the only outlets Silverbridge had a run at them. Um, uh, Murphy and Keaton had a few runs, but they were just running into trouble most of the time. But you could just see the the size maybe in the Crawford Land player and the Silver Root players. The Crawford just kind of bottling them up. And with Kevin doing referee, um, Cross used that to their advantage. And um, as soon as they got a player bottled up, um, they were never getting out, you know. So And you made the point last week, Stefan, about um the Cross McGlenn trio, the two O'Neills and Keane McConville, that you nearly need to keep them to about ten points. Silverbridge kept them to twelve, which is Pro- nice. Perhaps good going, and it still wasn't good enough. But then on the night weren't that uh, terrific. Um, one fourteen. Um, they did kick a lot of wides. Uh, if you actually look at the wides and the chances created, they probably were the shooting accuracy was probably down around thirty five percent. Um, cross usually around fifty percent, sixty percent shooting accuracy. So, um, there's a lot of improvement. Um, for cross to go there, but. The amount of work them three ways went through on the night. Um, it wasn't a great night for shooting anyway, but it was swirling the wind. Um, so it was hard to get your eye in. But um, as I say, even keeping them by to 12 points, is, it's not the worst effort in the world, but um, still 12 points is 12 points instead of kind of a championship. And when you're only five, scoring five, six the other end, um, you know, it's scores, you know. And did an experience go against Silverbridge, perhaps? That's obviously the, the first time a lot of them boys have played in a... Probably the first time they've all played in a, a senior semi-final. Yeah, it's getting the... For the Silverbridge as a club to get the semi-final is um, not being there in a while. It's a great achievement. Um, they are improving every year, so that will only help all them players next year and the year after going forward. But the first 
to semi-final for all the envoys. It may be showed because they're often taken. Um, there's just a lot of basic mistakes on the night, and you can put that down in conditions too, but um, there's lost a wee bit of composure in the game, and they're just playing across the Glen's hands. But as I say, they will, they will learn from that there. Um, it's definitely a team that's um, more improving um, year on year, so the says Silverbridge would be, it won't be the last semi-final game, you know. And we'll move on to the um, other semi-final Sunday, semi-final between Clannaren and Bally McNabb. And again, maybe a bit of inexperience uh, against um, a more experienced team, but the inexperience come through this one. Um, as a Bally McNabb man, Stefan, I have no problem saying that the best team won on the night. And Clannaren were super and had some super players. And we'll get into the individuals who were... Up for Man of the Match, maybe the likes of um, Kelly, Mickey Embridge, um, Daniel McGee got two goals and set up the third one. They had some super individual displays, but as I say, they were the better team on the day and deserved their victory. But then, Clunner, and, um, the, the game kind of, I don't know if it went the, the way I thought it would go. Following that, kind of changed the way I would say it a wee bit, but Clunner did exactly what we thought they did. Well, wouldn't they? Sorry. Um, Clonner so pacey in that first 10 minutes and um, attacking Nob. Nob were leaving too much space in behind the midfield and Clonner took full advantage of it. Um, you just saw every time they're going to go forward, they're going to get a goal. Um, the, first goal was, the first goal was like that training ground. You could just see the way they worked the ball out of defence. McCann would play the ball in the turbo and then he came made that run off the end line. And then just to, if you go back to the rap chance and across the landmarks, the differences, um, McGee had to be a bit more composure and kept the ball low, but Rapp kept it high. Um, so that was a great start of the game for Clan Earn. And then not two minutes later, Cambridge got the ball half the line and just busted through the middle unchallenged. And was going for a goal again, and only uh, now by turning them, he just put the ball over the bar. But I was starting to maybe get a wee bit worried for Ballymac now in the first five, ten minutes and thought, geez, this might be a long day for them. But to be fair to them, um, Every time Clannaren got a goal on Sunday, following that, went down the field and got a couple of scores, so they um, didn't make the goal look as bad, you know. But no, it was a good performance by Clannaren, but there's still a lot of improvement there going forward, you know. I'm just wondering, Stefan, is it Ballymac now played with the wind in the first half? And is there a pressure there when you nearly when you play with the wind in the first half that you have to be in front at half time, you have to use that advantage? Or you're going to lose the game, really. That not that the wind advantage didn't have a big part to play in in Sunday's game. It's certainly not as big as Saturday nights. But is there a pressure when you have that wind in the first half that you have to use it? Yeah, you kind of get together as a group at the start of the match. Um, depending on why you're playing, you say, right, we need to go in here with four or five points, and then you get that in the back of your head. And then when you're not that four or five points ahead, you maybe start to do things that you're not comfortable with doing. I think. Bottom of first four attacks was balls long until um, Jack and um, Shed won the first three, I think. And actually, the third one was when Clannaren got the goal. The ball was up in the net 20 seconds later. But not until Bottom McNabb started running the ball into the Clannaren defence to the strike in their scores. Um, and then Jack came out to feel a bit more. Um, basically, Bally McNabb played more or less 15 men at a half way line and run the ball. That's when Bally McNabb started getting a bit of success, you know. But as you say, when you do play with the wind, there is that wee bit of a pressure, but 
it's probably in the back of your mind, but it didn't really have a big burn on the game fully because it wasn't as strong as it was, it wasn't Saturday night, but probably maybe a one, two point win, but nothing, nothing massive to say. And then two goals in the first half, obviously, at Flanner and two points up. Um, you felt that certainly when the third goal went in early in that second half, you felt they were going to push on and maybe win by five or six in the end. Um, but if you do deserve credit, they come back into it. The momentum switch was huge, and it was uh, Bonham Knobs, two goals, Jack Brogan kicked over a couple of worldly scores. And to go ahead, to be behind, I think we were six down, to go ahead with three or four minutes left. I suppose they do deserve credit having not played as well as Clannard to get back to that position. Yeah, that's amazing. I said, every time Clannard went forward, you felt they were going to score a goal, and after McCambridge got that second goal, you were like, Jesus, this, I don't know how Bonham and Nabs did in this game, but Bonham and Nabs and Darren scored the next five or the six scores um, to go in at half time to any of Darren. Um, when the third goal went in, probably thinking the same as you, he's got, geez, that's a great start to the second half, but on that kick out, um, Gribbon went up and scored the goal from a good pass from Rory, and not two minutes later, um, it was the all way about, Gribbon played the ball into Rory, and Rory had a good finish, um, I think I made it as the draw does. You know, so like the fair play of Bonham now, they never give up. They always uh, proven and find different ways to get scores. And I think Rory and Jack, if they're always looking for them, is if there maybe one more player around the same caliber as them two, maybe if Gavin was playing, it might have a different story. But um, only having two players that kind of get the same two players on the ball the whole time, Clanner and kind of knew where to really go and who to shut out of the game. But Bonham now, fair play them, they never give up. And to go, to go in front with 27 minutes gone in the second half with a credit to how they got it back into the game and only for some decision-making in the last couple of minutes, who knows what could have happened, you know? And that, that match-up of Rory Guggen and Barry McCambridge, they probably were two candidates for a man of the match, although they were marking each other. It was... Both of them had huge games and obviously Rory got... I think he got one five. Um, I think they both scored 1-1 from play so it was a huge matchup, and it was interesting to see that they were both marking each other but both decided to just play their own game They did, yeah they both kind of played their own game and they said, right um, you mark me kind of thing I'll get the better of you and on the first um, 10 minutes Barry was a best friend pitch um, he was getting on every ball he must have had 6-7 possessions in the first 10 minutes he scored a point he was involved in the first goal. He got the second goal. So, like, but as you said, Rory just got himself into the game. He gave a couple of balls away, playing in the jack in the first 10 minutes. But he got himself into the game and he started maybe taking control after. But after, actually, Rory got the second goal, you could see Rory was just uh, starting to hit the pace of the game a wee bit more. Um, but the two of them definitely had two superb games. You know, they were in the end of everything for the books or slumps. So, well, they both a great game. Really. And is it... Clannard's running from deep, that, that's their their biggest strength, Stefan, because we see, talking about McCambridge and Kelly running, um, O'Carroll coming forward a couple of times, McCarthy, they have so many strong runners that it's it's hard for a team like Ballin McNabb to stop them runners. It is, it's well set up, that kind of the Becky Latham and Henderson um, sitting in front of uh, Shea, and every time Ballin McNabb kicked the ball in, the Dallas players are asleep. But um, Bally McNabb were happy enough to have Becky Leighton have the ball in the first half. He was coming out and making 60, 70 yards runs 
uncontested away up the pitch, and then he was popping it off to Carl to McConville, quite serious legs, and he's behind him, you know what I mean? And um, Henderson coming out with the ball too, but the five or six players who are very alike around that coming out of the bench for the ball, Garfield very good coming out there too. You know, they're really running from deep, and Bonnie McNabb were leaving them with pockets, and Clarence were really exploiting them, but Bonnie McNabb, they, they plugged them with gaps in the second half, and Clarence couldn't tell their running game. Um, had to kind of kick the ball in a bit more, which didn't suit them, you know, because Kennedy had turbo kind of uh, locked up there pretty good through the match, to be honest, except for maybe one or two balls in. So that wasn't really an outlet for Clanner. So Clanner kind of had to run the ball. TK got a lot of ball, did serious damage throughout the match. Um, but no, they definitely come with the runs from deep where they're strong runners, like, you know. They're hard to pin down because there's not many of them kind of who can all run with the ball. There's not too many passengers in that team, you know. So they're hard to pin down. And Stefan, you've been there before with Mahari that getting that big, huge semi-final win, getting into the first final. Um, you could see at the full-time whistle, like the Clan Iron boys all hugging each other and the subs nearly rolling on. And it's a great moment for them, obviously getting to senior final. I think it was the first one in 53 years, if I, if I have that right. Um, you, you done that with Mahari getting into... The, the senior final after such a, a long time what's it like doing that accomplishing that and then having to go and you still have to go and win the final of course it's a relief <laughs> the first one's a relief um, there's so many I think when we got that ours it was like 30 uh, like 31 years or something so um, you always you're talking about you always talk to the older players who just retired before you come into the team and um, how good it is to Representing your club in county final day, walking behind the van and all that there. You just want to experience all that thing yourself. So we got to our first um, final in so long. It was kind of a relief and kind of like a pressure was off. So you were kind of just going into, because we had never won one before we got to our first final. Um, I don't know if it was pressure to win one, but getting to that final was good. As you say, you could see McLaren the other day. Um, and that final whistle went, you'd hear the roar went up and you could just see the expression on the players' faces. It was kind of a relief, but you had to kind of park that now and um, uh, worry about that there after. It's a good achievement getting that final, but you don't want to be people saying to you in three weeks' time, plan around and done well to get that final. You know, you want to kind of build on that, you know. But no, it was definitely for a town club, Clanner and a Clanner have a big pick, and they are they're a big club, you know. So for 53 years, I think getting that final is kind of, kind of um, maybe not underachieving, but they definitely shouldn't be getting to. And just before we finish up, it's obviously cross against Clanarn in three weeks' time. Um, two clubs that would know each other quite well from the underage, but at senior level, um, they met in the group stages in 2019, I think it was, and they met in 2015, I want to say, 15 or 16 as well, and cross won both quite easily. Um, not that that would count for much. I don't think that that's, this team is on a, the crest of a wave at the minute. They've done it the hard way. They've beaten Mahari and Bally McNabb, the two teams that have caused Cross the most trouble over the last three or four years. How much are you looking forward to this, And Obviously, Cross is going to be the favourites um, heading in, as they always are. But Clanner, they won't fear Cross. They've beaten this Cross at underage levels, the, the likes of McCambridge, Turbo, Kelly have experience of beating cross McGlen teams at underage level. And it's it's definitely one that we're going to look forward to now in three weeks' time. 
As you said, there's probably players in both teams that have played each other, I guess each other minor level over the last three or four years. So they're fairly familiar with each other, as you said, the likes of Bari and DK, and Ochar, Campbell, all the Mbys have plenty of minor medals behind them, probably the same as the cost of the Mbys, but um, it's going to be, it'll be, a, it'll be a different game from what we're used to. Um, Cross McLean, you know exactly what they're going to do, um, but they still have to stop it. Uh, Clannern will give uh, Cross McLean plenty of problems because they won't sit off cross, they'll run at them and run at them because that's the only way they know how. Um, it's going to be an intriguing game. It's, it's going to be a very tough one to call, to be honest. You know, it's Clan aren't got every chance here. They should be going in there hand comps. You say, like, um, we're not easy bit, the bottom of not easy bit, and Green's going easy bit as. So they've come through the um, championship getting uh, good teams. So that's going to give them confidence to get one more good team, you know. And as I say, we'll be looking forward to that with our usual build-up in three weeks' time. Um, first of all, though, it's the junior and intermediate finals, and they're coming up on Sunday, and we'll be back with a podcast on Friday to preview both them um, intriguing ties. Don't forget, Player of the Week is also out, and to make sure to cast your vote for whoever you feel should pick up a Player Fit Player of the Week jersey. Stefan, thanks very much for coming on and discussing all the action from the weekend. Thanks for having me again.